Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns, and you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Have you ever wondered why there's so much suffering in the world? Why is the Ukraine, for example, going through such awful suffering? Some people actually stop believing in a benevolent universal source because of such suffering. Well, today we're going to interview Simran Singh about her new book, Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience, in which she informs us that our challenges, our conflicts, and other difficult experiences are actually blessings. The seven blessings are challenge, obstacles, conflict, chaos, darkness, and death. They don't sound much like blessings, do they? But she says they're secret passageways to personal empowerment, spiritual growth, and your highest potential. If you're currently facing or have ever faced any of these experiences, this show is for you. So stay right here. Let me tell you a little bit about Simran. She is globally recognized speaker and a catalyst for love, compassion, and humanity. In a brand new self-realization book, Simran reveals incredible insight after having gone through the discovery of multidimensional living. The book is Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience and is a part of a trilogy, the other two books of which will come out later. Simran is number one rated syndicated host of Voice America's 1111 Talk Radio, host of 1111 Interviews TV, and publisher of Nautilus award-winning 1111 Magazine author of IPI and IPA Gold Award-winning Conversations with the Universe, Your Journey to Enlightenment, and IPI Gold Award-winning Your Journey to Love. Simran creates art, books, and online courses to bridge humanity's experience and expression. Simran created the one-woman show, The Rebel Road, connecting the dots from what was what was to what is. And she's been a TEDx speaker. So welcome, Simran, to the Authentic Living Show. I'm so glad to get to talk to you today. Uh, my heart is full to be able to talk to you, Andrea, not only because we have gotten to know each other personally, but because I so respect the work that you do and the books that you have written, and I know that this is going to be a beautiful conversation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And the book that you've written is just wonderful, and it's just chock full of wisdom and chock full of insights that are not real common, so I'm just real happy to talk about this book. So, well, the reason that I wrote it is I wanted to create a reframe for the types of things that we encounter in this dualistic world. We live on an earth plane that is contrast, and that's not going to change. And with the way that our world is currently headed, that contrast is going to become more significant. So I realized in my own life when I encountered a deep space of contrast that I must have been missing something really, really significant. And I asked myself in that moment, could I devote myself to the darkness as much as I've devoted myself to the light? Because something tells me there's gold in there, that there's true light if I'm willing to go deep enough into the well. And that's where these three books came from. Yes, and that's, that is uh, the concept that is so unusual about this book is that, that it, it actually encourages us to embrace uh, the darkness, those difficult times, instead of resisting them. And uh, that is something that I think is so important and something that the world has not taught us. So can you say a little bit more about that? 
Absolutely. You know, we live in a world where there's a lot of separation. People feel separate from one another. It's us versus them. There's a division of religions. It got to such a point in our consciousness that we actually created a virus to separate us that much more. So for us to do something like that has to mean that there's a deep separation consciousness within us. And that deep separation consciousness is actually what produces these specific blessings in each of our lives. And we all encounter them, whether it is divorce, a financial crisis, a health crisis, an issue with our children, uh, something that's going on in the world that we just can't stand or a particular person in our personal relationship or a work relationship that really gets under our skin, it will set off this specific series of seven blessings in this specific order for the purposes of us to go through uh, a set of multidimensional layers to rise to a higher octave of ourselves and also realize that there's more of us operating than just the identity that we believe that we are. Yeah, well, let's talk about that identity just a little bit. You, one of the things that you do all the way through the book is you, you have uh, you have described you, meaning the reader, at, in three different ways. You caught you have a you that has a capital Y, and then a slash, and then you have a you that is all small letters and then a slash, and then you have a you that is all capital letters. So, and that's the way you describe the reader all the way through the book. So can you tell, tell us what those different views are? Most definitely. I didn't channel these books. They're not something I went and researched and tried to compile information on. I literally went through my own personal experience of all of these blessings when a situation hit my life in 2014 and I committed to the darkness in that moment to try to discover what it was trying to teach me. I didn't think that that would last seven years. And that's only partially the reason for the seven within the book. There's many reasons for that seven. But as I went through the experience throughout the seven years, I literally stopped my life to just focus on the inner world rather than distracting myself with the outer world, which is what most of us do. We become distracted. We go down rabbit holes. We try to build businesses. We go try to fix people or situations. We become activists. All those things are really external distractions when actually the things that are occurring outside are meant to turn us in. And so when I stopped my life and really just was with everything that was happening, two things occurred. Number one, I began to realize that there was more than just one of me that was always present, but I was not present to those various parts of me. The second thing that started happening was a dissolving and a deconditioning that took place within my body, my being, my mind, my emotions, my physical uh, body, the, the physiology. And so as this took place, I was very much aware of the me that was unconscious, robotic, uh, conscious at times, uh, the individual that had the identity in the world as the spiritual writer and the creator of a radio show and a magazine. You know, that's the capital Y-O-U. It's the person that we portray and believe ourselves to be in the world. 
what we don't realize about that aspect of ourselves is that most of the time we're actually unconscious, even if our mind wants to tell us we're conscious. Most of the world really is that unconscious and that uh, unpresent. As I began to become more aware of this part of myself, I started to realize another voice, another energy, another being within me that was still operating that actually was probably more responsible for creating what I was experiencing in my world. And that's the lowercase Y-O-U. And the more I began to embrace that aspect of me and really delve deeply into it, I discovered that within me not only was a shadow, because a lot of people are familiar with shadow work or delve into shadow work, but I met the animal. I met the feral part of me. I met the instinctual part of me. I met the part of me that was fight or flight, the part of me that would hunger, the part of me that was present and natural. And then as I went deeper, I met the monster. There's a monster inside of all of us. And it is sitting there quietly rumbling underneath the surface, which is why we see things out in the world that we feel like are monstrous, that are scary. And then I went even deeper and discovered the demon, the inner demon that we all battle within at a subconscious level. So that's the Y-O-U, and that's actually the subject of the second book in the series, that whole multidimensional aspect and the illusions that that aspect has bought into. And then there's the capital Y-O-U, and that was the part that I was flowering into by being willing to go into the depths of presence to what was happening. And that's the humanity aspect. And until we can get into true humanity, allow that to flower from within us, we really cannot do anything to serve the greater humanity, and we never truly tap into the essence of divinity that's within us. Humanity is the doorway to divinity. So as the dissolving was occurring, I was moving into this place where I had to give myself the grace to open to humanity, which is what the third book, Knowing the Seven Human Expressions of Grace, is about. So that's that part of the multidimensional being. I write these three words in triplicate throughout the book for the purposes of, number one, slowing people down to become more present. The book will actually make people more present, and I don't want them to read more than a few lines, a paragraph, or maybe a page a day. That's really all that's necessary. The medicine will do its work within you just with that. Secondarily, it is to really bring awareness and a constant reminder that all of these aspects are present all of the time. And now it's time for us to be present to them as we move into each experience we encounter. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for that explanation. So when you talk about going deeper into presence, can you explain that for our listening audience? That that sounds like a concept that might be hard to grasp. I think for a, a lot of individuals, the very thing that we don't want to be with is our grief or our rage our jealousy, our discomfort, the pains in our body, all of these things that um, are the contrast. Who wants to be with that kind of stuff? Yet it appears, and the reason that it appears is it keeps calling for presence. And so when we can really just be with the moments in our lives 
And all of the visceral feelings, the emotions, the thoughts, the sensations that those moments in our lives bring to us, we are given the opportunity to not discard and push away and burn away and journal away all these parts, because that's actually more separation. We are given an opportunity to be with and absorb them. And when we absorb them through presence, they actually dissolve and we actually dissolve the human condition within us. That dissolving releases identities where we start to truly let go. And so rather than surrendering to situations outside of us, we begin to surrender to the higher self within us to say, okay, I can let go of holding on to the resistance to my shadow self or animal self or human self. I can now absorb and embrace all of these. And when we do that, not only do we learn how to be more present to ourselves and our lives, but then we unfold the compassion, the kindness, the gentleness to be able to be present to those in the outer world that are around us. Beautiful. Thank you. So you say that human beings are a technology. What do you mean by that? What I began to discover as I was going through my own very challenging personal experience and discovering these different aspects is I began to watch the world and watch myself. I noticed the thought waves that were going on outside. I noticed the thought forms that would come in through me. And then I would notice how the emotions would occur. And this was all during a time where you know, a lot of the political things were happening during those earlier years, 2014 to 2016, 17. There was a lot of rocking of the boat uh, with the presidency and elections that were happening at that time and all of the media stuff that was taking place. There were also events in the world that were taking place like shootings and, and the Me Too movement and all of these things. And so for someone that's just really sitting and being present, to the world and watching everything, I started to notice the waves of energy. And I began to realize that all these things that people are getting upset and riled up about, it's really just energy equilibrating itself. It's, it's people and places and things playing out roles to try to bring up the emotions that have been suppressed so that the energy can balance. And the technology of it being human comes about when we are present to these things because it has everything to do with our energy because we are energy. Everything is energy. We come from energy. We will return to energy. So that's the first part of the technology. The second part has to do with truth. We are truth and there are many different versions of that truth. The lowercase truth would be the truth of our shadow self. The capital T, lowercase, rest of the letters, truth, would be the identity, personality that's trying to survive in an unconscious world. And the all caps truth would be all of our humanity. So it is equilibrating that truth technology within us. And then the third level of technology is the wisdom. That through the machinery of energy and truth, we unfold a wisdom that then is incorporated into the technology of being human. And that happens through growth, through our personal growth. And that growth is going to come best through these types of blessings. We don't often push ourselves and grow through uh, the good happenings, the miracles, the happy moments of our lives. 
It is through the challenge, the conflict, the chaos, the obstacles, you know, having to deal with death and darkness is when the human spirit rises up to overcome. And so that's where the growth piece happens. And when these four points of technology, energy, truth, growth, and wisdom combine, they create unification, which means we have an opportunity to step through the doorway of wholeness because we bring all parts of our technology together through awareness and presence. Okay, that's a perfect explanation. Thank you so much. Um, uh, you've already explained how the book is different from other books and what they each portray. But uh, I, I guess what I want to know is um, the experience that you had that led you to write this book was one in which you suffered quite a bit but uh, and were in some pain. So, um, you know, when, when we talk to people, you and you also say that you took time out from your life to do to just kind of focus on the inner world so what would you say to people who um ha, who who really feel like they can't don't have time or the money or the whatever to take time out and just really focus on the inner world part of the reason that i wrote these books is so that people don't have to go through seven years like i did um this the seven is symbolic of seven several things. Um, number one, it's symbolic of the seven year process that I went through. Secondly, it's symbolic of the seven layers within each blessing, within each illusion, within each grace that we can use as a ladder of consciousness. And third and most important, it has to do with the first age stage that we uh, encountered, ages zero to seven. That is actually when we took on the energies of the world. We had no mental capacity to form thoughts or take in that intellectual capacity. We really didn't understand emotions at that time because that part doesn't really start developing until age 7 to 14. And so we really are sponges and we soak everything up and it goes into our physiology. And so what tends to happen is we create our lives every seven years from every experience. So if you have a certain experience at age two, you'll discover an echo or a reincarnation of that experience at age nine, and then 16, and then 23, and then 30. Same thing, if you had a trauma at age 11, you will discover that some type of trauma will occur at 18 and 25 and then 32. And so we are a series of echoes, like a pebble dropped in a pond, the ripple keeps going. Part of the reason for stopping, and I had, was talking to someone the other day, and she said, oh, well, I stopped for three weeks during COVID when I was sick. That's not stopping. You're preoccupied by being sick. And then she said, well, I stopped for a week and didn't do any work. I was on vacation. That's not stopping either. The Let me interrupt you just a minute, Simran. Yes. We're about to go out for commercial break. We'll come back and hold that thought, and we'll be right back with just a little bit more from Authentic Living and Simran Singh. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron. 
author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You have the power to be stronger, live fearlessly, and enjoy the benefits of a great life. Listen for Fearlessly Authentic with host Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody has proven at an age when many start to slow down that she is just getting started. With two grown daughters, a successful business that she started at 50, a finalist in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, and a two-time world bikini champion, she's ready to take you to the next level in your life. Fearlessly Authentic airs Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Simran Singh about her book, Living, The Seven Blessings of Human Experience. And we, are, we're, we're, we were talking about something. I had to interrupt you for the commercial break. So let's start there again. Absolutely. So I had someone say, well, you know, I took a week off and went on vacation. But that's not the kind of stopping I'm talking about. It is really stopping for at minimum six months to really let everything come up. And, you know, I think that nature in its infinite wisdom, even though we look at the virus and everything that happened as bad or wrong or orchestrated or darkness or whatever you want to call it, it really was trying to stop everyone and slow everyone down to be with themselves to help with this deconditioning process. And I think it did start that process for individuals. And so part of the reason that I wrote this book is so that when people do stop or when they are active and busy and going through some of these blessings, they have a way to move through them that is that ladder, because it will follow this ladder. You talked about, you know, how do people stop? Because they're going to worry about time, they're going to worry about money. The second book has everything to do with that. It's called Blessing, The Seven Illusions That Derail Personal Power, Purpose, and Peace. And that releases at the end of this month, May 28th. And the first of those illusions is actually the illusion of time. The second of that illusion is the illusion of money. And these correlate to the blessings. And so the blessing of conflict 
has everything to do with the illusion of money. The blessing of challenge has everything to do with the illusion of duality. The blessings of obstacles has everything to do with the illusion of identity. And each of these illusions also has a correlating grace, a grace that we are meant to give ourselves. And so it's a really powerful multidimensional grid that not only aligns you vertically with who you're designed to be in wholeness, but it also gives you the horizontal timeline of how to be, how to become uh, in a higher octave of yourself, the individual that you can be on the planet to serve yourself and to serve the greater world. So, so when you talk about uh, the illusion of money, let's talk about that one, because that's the one that people will say, well, I don't have the money to just stop my life. I can't just do that. So talk about that a little bit. So the illusion of money correlates to the blessing of conflict. And usually when we're in conflict, we'll see that money does dry up. Oftentimes people that are going through a divorce, they will encounter at the time they start to separate apart from each other, even if it's not conscious, or at the time of divorce, they will very much encounter this loss of money. All of a sudden, everything starts to drain. And the illusion of money has everything to do with material obsessions. So the blessings all have seven layers. They engage a certain path that we are here to embody. They reflect a certain energy, one of those technologies of being human. They awaken a level of growth that we're here to do. Um, they restore a level of truth and reveal some wisdom, and they invite us to be unified. And so when it comes to the illusion of money, we are asked to become the path of the visionary. Now, that visionary is not something outside of us because a lot of people have now been kind of conditioned into believing, oh, let me go, go create a vision board of what I want, and then it will manifest on the outside. As beautiful as all of those practices are, there's a deeper practice that needs to happen on the inside. And the true visionary holds a vision internally without saying anything. They breathe that, which brings in the energy of air. They grow their mind, which is bringing their mind to a higher place. They establish who they are in truth with themselves. And they discover that wisdom through witnessing that presence that they have with themselves during the best blessing of conflict they will begin to witness their behaviors and the other's behaviors from a higher perspective. And when these come together, the unification has to do with the creative aspect. What can be innovative here? What can be a new way of coming together here? What can be a solution here? As opposed to getting more into the war that's taking place. And with each of the blessings, we actually encounter certain gifts Three gifts come out of each blessing. There may be many more, but the three specific ones that I encountered, I listed. And in the blessing of conflict, we encounter light, love, and compassion. And that shifts the experience. But while we're going through the blessing of conflict, as we deepen presence, we encounter that level of being that is so tied to material possessions that really has a fear around money. And that takes us actually into a place where we discover at a very base level our greedy self. And when we can uncover that, it opens us then to the key of trust, which is, that's part of the seven steps that goes through 
being the second book. It, it has the obsessions that we encounter. It takes us into the hole or the vice that we are gripped to. And then it introduces us to the key that really helps us rise above. And so money is one of those illusions that keeps us in a place of distrust. But what we are here to cultivate is trust. And all I can tell you, Andrea, is that in my stopping for seven years, not knowing how or where anything materially was going to come from, because I knew the only important thing for me to do at that time was to focus on self, I had to just trust. And amazing miracles occurred that I could never have even made up. And they always showed up in the right time. But it required me to really allow myself to nestle back into the arms of trust and really see that the world is there for me as opposed to against me. And that's where the inner conflict is. The world's against me, so I have to keep working hard. Or is the world for me so that my presence is enough? And so it really uncovers the very deep and subtle parts of us that we're so unaware of. And when we tap into those, that's when we touch humanity and divinity. Yes. Beautiful explanation. Thank you. Uh, you, you talk about this work as a kind of accounting. What does that mean? We are here to balance the energies, both within ourselves and within the world. And so as we stay very present, just reading a few lines a day, a paragraph or a page, what ends up taking place is there is this karmic accounting that takes place within us. Karma is really nothing more than the imbalance of energy taken on inside the physiology between age zero to seven that we are trying to reconcile. And we are trying to make that balance equal out. And so to make that balance equal out, we create these conditions in the world personally and collectively that we have to bump up against until something hurts bad enough to make us stop. We don't have to get to that point if we just choose to face something in our life that's in front of us fully and completely, feeling it all the way down to the cells. Then all of a sudden, that accounting process starts within the body and it allows itself to equilibrate so that we become the balance of masculine and feminine energy, the balance of darkness and light, the balance of human and divine. Yes. Okay. So that balancing is what you mean by accounting. Okay. Yes. All right. So you also uh, use a table to on age stages and cycles. You said a little bit more about that, but can you say a little bit more? Yes. Yeah, so within the book, I illustrate how we begin to take on energies from zero to seven within our physiology. And then seven to 14 is where we start to develop our emotional body. It's where we're meant to feel. For some of us, if feeling didn't feel safe or uh, we had households that themselves didn't feel, then likely that emotional quality was shut down. For others that are very feeling, it may have been spiked to where it was heightened. From 14 to 21 is where we develop the mental body. And that's where we try to intellectualize the things that have happened to us in our lives. We try to make sense of them in our own way. And then we anchor more deeply into a specific identity. But what most people don't realize is our choice of 
colleges, of careers, of partners, of steps on our path, they all stem back from reactivity to the woundings from childhood. So whoever we've become, it really is reactive in nature. So we're starting right off with our lives from the shadow self, but we don't realize that because we start to become the capital Y, lowercase o-u, identity self. And so the shadow self kind of shrinks into the background, even though it's the one really operating our lives. Within that grid, I illustrate the seven-year stages and the time frame within each seven-year stage, as I said before. So zero to seven, the experiences that you encounter, let's say you encountered the divorce of, of a set of parents. Within the age stage of 21 to 28, you'll encounter another loss. Between 42 to 49, you'll encounter another type of separation or loss, and so on and so forth. And so it really is helpful in terms of reconciling, and this is another part of the accounting, reconciling one's life and the experiences that they're having so that they can come at themselves with greater compassion and gentleness as opposed to the reactive nature of why is this always happening in my world? When's it going to go right? Or maybe if I just go heal some more, it'll finally go away. We're not here to get rid of anything. We're here to love ourselves and embrace ourselves and everyone else. Yeah, and that embracing means embracing all those difficult feelings um, that we have and that arise with these seven blessings. So uh, that, you know, it's, it's, I, I want to say, why do we have to do that? But you've really already answered that question. We have to do that because to not do that would mean we'd miss the blessing. We'd miss the blessing. I mean, the soul has designed a life for each of us to experience. The soul wants to experience every emotion, every experience possible in this physical incarnation. And so we are giving great service to the soul when we allow ourselves to fully feel each of these things. What I discovered as I went through several years of very, very deep breathing is that it opened these portals to personal power, purpose, and peace that I had no idea were even possible. These moments, these mystical moments would take place. This greater trust in life began to be there. The release of all shame and guilt took place. The release of visceral things such as jealousy and regret that I had no idea were so deeply embedded in the cellular memory of myself that could never have become conscious had I not stopped. So there's so much here that if we will just turn within and embrace and absorb ourselves, we are able to reach stages of enlightenment. And I think that's the ultimate key that I want individuals to understand, Andrea, is that any person, no matter where they come from, what religion they are, what economic status, or what they have encountered in their life. Every person can reach enlightenment. And the way to get there, they don't have to follow anyone. They simply have to look their life in the face and dive into it, be swallowed whole by their own experiences. And by being swallowed into that whole, they will uncover their true self. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we just have a few more minutes before the break again, but you also talk about doing nothing and effortlessness. 
what does this mean and how do we do nothing? Oh, I think this is one of the greatest points in this book. It's learning to do more nothing. We are a distracted and busy society that thinks that it is our effort that gives us value and worth, that believes that the more we do, the more we will produce, when actually the opposite is true. We must learn how to be bored. We must sit with our restlessness. We must allow ourselves the space and the time for doing nothing. Because in truth, the expanse of divinity and essence is the allness and the nothingness. And when our identity can finally dissolve into nothing and no one, in that moment, we know what it means to be everything and everyone, which means we have compassion. We can be with any person in any circumstance because we have met that place within ourselves. And that's what it means to really slip into a space of doing more nothing. Yeah. And, and you know, the psychology of, of Zen, and I talk about that as a psychology, um, talks about that effortlessness where we can do without doing. Yes. And uh, can you can you say a little bit more about that? We just have a minute left before the break, but I want to say just a little bit about that. The reason that the second book is called Being, a lot of people think being has to do with sitting still, um, meditating on a mountaintop, or getting bubble baths and massages. When we really look at how we're being, what we're being, and when we're being, all of a sudden, that is the doing. That sense of beingness is enough of the doing. So when you're doing nothing, you don't realize it, but everything within you is actually doing something. But you've got to give yourself the pause, the stopping point for all of that consciousness and awareness to rise to the surface. And then you'll really see that the amount of busyness outside of you was distraction that it is your stillness of being the mountain internally that actually can produce far more than all the actions on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of what our sacred texts mean by, uh, in the Christian Bible or, or the Jewish Tanakh, it is be still and know that I am God. And it's also in other texts with Bhagavad Gita and others that talk about that, that doing that is doing without doing and that the doing is done by the self with the, the all caps and not by the, by the identity or the little you. You know, it, it, that's, I think what became the greatest awareness as I moved through this work and discovered all of these pieces is everything that's written in sacred texts came to me through experience and that's possible for anyone but that can't happen unless you stop and be with yourself and allow the wisdom to come forward. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Let's take another break. We'll be back in just a minute with more from Simran Singh about her book, uh, Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you feeling unhealthy, overweight, stressed, or generally tired? Have you lost your motivation? And has life gotten you down? 
Beth Shaw and her guest experts are here to help you and all of America get healthy. Listen to Make America Healthy and gain valuable tools to reclaim your physical, mental, and emotional health. Make America Healthy, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you dream about success but wonder how to get there? Hillary DeCesar and her guests will reveal how they relaunched into lives they only dreamt about. Their stories will inspire and surprise you and ignite your inner sparks. The Relaunch, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Seeing Beyond, Living Transformed is a spiritual crossing of the threshold to the world of being a truly expanded human being. Join medium Cheryl and Kelly for conversations about discovering deep spirituality, developing your intuitive and empathic skills, and personal mediumship. Each episode will focus on tips, tools, and techniques to help you understand and expand your own inner gifts and life journey. You can call in each week to receive spiritual guidance, personal readings, and we'll answer your questions. We'll talk with luminary experts on meditations, the afterlife, energy healing, past lives, and much more. Join our Seeing Beyond spiritual community to learn more about expanding your mind, body, and soul. And have fun on your journey to empowered transformation. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking again to Simran Singh about her book, Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience. And we've come a long way so far into talking about the depth of this book. But we have just a few more questions before the close of the show. So um, I want to know, you speak of different energies in the book, earth energy, water energy, spirit energy. Can you describe these and what they mean to us? So with each blessing, uh, there are seven steps that individuals will move through. And the energies are part of that technology. We are actually nature. We have not been taught that we are that, just like we haven't been taught that we are animals. We are human animals. But when we start to discover we are nature and we can take on the elements of water, air, earth, ether, fire, and creation, then all of a sudden those can become very relevant in the experience that we're moving through. And so as you move through, for example, the blessing of challenge, the path to take at that moment is the rebel. And the spiritual rebel doesn't see any problem on the outside or the inside, even though the circumstances may show something to the mind. The spiritual rebel understands that the focus and the energy must be placed on the creative aspect and creativity, but that they also must feel deeply. And so the energy of water is what is necessary during the blessing of challenge because we are there to grow our emotional mastery. And through that water, we are there to allow 
the, the grief or the emotion or the joy or whatever's taking place to actually be fully experienced and expressed. And through that, we not only shift the energy in ourselves, we shift the energy around us. And so each of these natural pieces help us tap more into the natural flow of being one with the world so that we begin to reclaim our normal cycle and rhythms that we have forgotten about. Um, we talk about you know moon cycles or cycles of the ocean and all of those things, but there's still a disconnect, a separation consciousness that exists. And again, it's because that separation consciousness exists inside, which is why I write the UUU or the self, self, self within the book. And as we tap into these nature elements, that part of the union comes back into balance. Yes. Okay. So we're talking about those energies that are part of nature. One of the things I love to do in the evening is just step out on my front porch and just hear the silence of nature and, and feel that I'm a part of that. And it's mm. just such a beautiful experience. And it makes me know that the stillness is where all energy comes from. That's such an important place to get to. You know, that, that simple act all of a sudden allows all the cares and the worries of the world to just step back for a second and to create that bubble of truth around oneself that I am this interconnected being where perhaps there is no separation from my body and the air outside and the moon rising and the sun setting. When we can get to that point, all of a sudden our breath deepens and we begin to realize that we are being breathed by life rather than breathing life. Yeah, it's a beautiful example. And I hear people talk about the soul as being this tiny little part of us. We have a a spark of, of the divine in us instead of we are divine beings. So can you say something about that as well? I think ultimately what my greatest longing always was, was to feel. And I do believe that the universe always provides our greatest longing. I have had this endless romantic notion about the lover and the beloved that has been uh, something that I have aspired to ever since I began on my own personal spiritual journey. I've wanted to feel deeply because for so long, being a workaholic and moving through Uh, many spans of pain and relationships that caused a lot of numbness, I no longer was able to feel. And so for this moment to hit my life and be able to give me the grace of being able to feel beyond the comprehension of anything I thought possible, it was magnificent and excruciating at the same time. It was chaos and the beauty of confetti all at once. It was the entire paradox of being human, and yet I was getting these glimpses of what divinity really is, and it was the divinity that was coming through me. And so it is only when we truly can embrace everything that's happening do we begin to discover what love is, what unconditional means, what peace really is, how divine we have always been and how divine every experience always is. But we have to get to the level of being so present with it. And I think it's the reason that we think that the divine is only a spark within us 
or a piece or that it is outside of us is because we've never established the real connection of intimacy within ourselves. And that's what these three books lay out. It is a path of such intimate belonging that you not only discover uh, the beauty of the divine, but you discover that you are divine. Yes. Yes. And that is what authentic living really is all about. So, yeah. So let's talk about isness. What is isness? Isness is everything. It is the degree of complete presence to everything that's going on internally and everything that's external. It is the full expanse of the void where nothing is and where everything came from. And ultimately, we are that isness. We are here to rediscover our command of creative capacity and our ability to truly manifest not from wishful thinking or having something come from outside to us or creating intentions and vision boards. All of those are still separation consciousness. There is something calling to each of us through all of these unorthodox blessings personally and globally that are tr- is trying to wake us up to the fact that we are that creator and that we have the ability to create anything. What will we choose to create now? And will we connect to ourselves at a deep enough level that we discover the isness? And to discover that means that every identity has to be dissolved. We have to become nothing in order to become the allness, the everythingness, the isness. Yeah, and those identities come from, like you said, our, our childhood, trying to survive our childhood, trying, and then the repeats of those traumas and dramas and stuff that we went through as a child, the repeat of that, so that we can resolve those issues and and resolve that identity and move on, move forward into something deeper and more real. Um, I think that's a, 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 such a perfect explanation of the process we're going through and calling it karma. Beautiful. So how does, how do love and compassion, I hear so many people say, I wish I could be more loving. I wish I could have more compassion. How is it that love and compassion grow within us? The only way to achieve love, compassion, unconditionality, uh, even aliveness, is we first have to meet every part of ourselves with those things. And in order to meet them, we have to tell the radical, honest truth to ourselves. We have to be bare naked to all that has occurred, all that we've done, what we've become, and how we've judged ourselves for it. It requires the need to understand the visceral qualities, the weight and the fight and the flight and the freeze that is held down deep in our bodies. And once we do that, the compassion grows within us. And it starts with the first step of grace, which is in the third book coming out later in the year. And I know that everyone has this moment where they had to get rid of everything. Maybe they left a marriage, maybe their work or career no longer served them, Maybe it was a crisis health-wise or otherwise, but there comes a moment in everyone's life where they realize, I can't be in this house anymore. I can't be in this relationship anymore. I can't have these things anymore. I can't live in this city anymore. 
And that is the grace of simplicity. It correlates to the illusion of time, which matches up to the blessing of life. And once we start to realize that we are nothing more than energy cycles and rhythms, then all of a sudden we can just enjoy the fact that it is all just experience. We are experience experiencing itself. And so whether it is a blessing of chaos or a miracle that takes place in your life, whether it is the blessing of darkness or a light-filled moment, it really is equally just experience. And once that really anchors into the body, integrates fully into the body, compassion will be there for every type of experience that comes along and any person that comes along. So what you're saying ultimately is that we grow compassion for ourselves and our process first, then it becomes a blossoming for other other people. It's the only way. Everything always has to first happen within the self, all levels of the self, before yeah. it can happen outside. Right. So how does this work serve both individual and collective healing? So initially, the first book, Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience, which is out now, deals with the self, the capital S-E-L-F, which represents the robotic, asleep, unconscious, conditioned, homogenized dreamwalker that is adorned in identities and making sense of life. By approaching that part of ourselves and facing the life we're given, we begin to deconstruct the illusions that we have held, and we begin to dissolve the energies that are trapped in our body. That takes us into book two, which is releasing at the end of this month, which is being the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace. And we begin to meet the lowercase S-E-L-F, self, which represents the obsessed nature of personhood, who's ignorant of its vices and unconsciously obedient to the shadow, the animal, the monster, self-expressions. And these aspects act out our deepest cravings and hungers. It's the part of us that's most distracted. It is the version of you that is possessed by your inner demons. And then that leads us at the same time. You know, This is a multidimensional experience that's occurring all at once, which is why all three books are coming out in one year. We meet knowing the seven human expressions of grace, and that is the return to humanity. It is the walk that you've been through the shadows of, of death and, and the valleys, and it is also the remembering of your eternal and divine nature. And it comes through feeling and discovering humanity and the beauty of feeling and sensation. Once you have uncovered and opened to all feeling and all sensation that exists on every level throughout time, all of a sudden you touch true aliveness. And when you touch true aliveness, you will find that you are no longer the person that you ever were, that you're no longer living from the place of reactivity to childhood wounds, that for the first time in your life, you are willing to stand in personal power, purpose, and peace from a place that is not attached to anything around it. It is free, flowing, fluid light. And that's what will come through your open heart. And so how does that, uh, we just have a few, a, a little bit of time before the end. That also pervades the collective as we, as we process through our own stuff, we also are impacting the collective in some kind of energetic way. Yes, because consciousness is creating is creating what is in our outside world. And so as we shift our inner consciousness, 
the outer has to reflect the same. Our world right now reflects each of our consciousness. If we want to change that, we have to understand that the world is showing us where we need to go inside. Right. Wow, this has been wonderful, Simran. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to go into the depth of these questions that I've asked and, and help us understand a little bit more. And I really want to encourage everyone to get this book and, of course, the one that's coming out in May on May 28th as well on being. And then the third one will come out later, and it's on knowing. So uh, really get these books and, and do the process yourself, and we will change the world in that way. And so we're going to be back again next week with more. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And remember your job, should you choose to accept it is to give birth to yourself. And that's the self with all caps. Thank you, Andrea, for having me on in love. Thanks again for listening to authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 PM Pacific time. 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.